Good morning, everybody. It's good to, it's good to see everybody here today. And um, we've, been, we've been talking about uh, what it means to be a Christian. And we've been talking about a lot of different things. We've talked about marriage, what is biblical marriage, what is the family structure. Um, we've also talked about what is Christian love. Um, so we've, we've talked about a lot of different things. And um, now we're getting into some more of these other things that, that we deal with on a daily basis. Um, and today the topic is speech. Um, so that, that's a broad uh, topic because it can be everything from profanity to just uh, our negativity and things like that. So it's very broad. Um, but we're going to get to the core of it all. And we're going to find out out of the heart. And that's, where, that's what comes forth out of the mouth um, so before we get started, so let's take some time to pray, um, that we ask the Lord that he will give me the words to speak, because we're talking about speech today, and we want to make sure, I want to make sure we're, I'm saying exactly what he wants us to hear today. So let's pray. Father God, I, I thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us, that um, when we look at the sky, we see um, your hand and your masterpiece, and we look at the heavens and no one can deny that you exist, that you are sovereign over all things. You're the creator of all things and that when, when you say the stars to come out, they come out. When the sun is to come out, they obey your authority. And so that same God that uh, controls the heavens and earth is also the God that we serve and we want to obey you. And when you say to do uh, certain things in your word, we want to be obedient to that. And so we pray, Lord God, that you will give me the words that we need to speak, that I need to speak, and that we'll have ears to hear, and that we'll apply it to our lives, and that when we leave here today, that we'll desire to be more like Christ and be a reflection of Christ in a lost world. And so we thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. So, um, we're going to be focusing on uh, Luke chapter 6, uh, 43 through 45. And so if you have uh, a Bible, um, please take that out and, um, and follow along. So we're going to read the very words of God, starting with 43. Um, the word of God says this, For there is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor, on the other hand, a bad tree uh, which produces good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. The good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth what is good. And the evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks that which fills his heart. And so those are the very words of God, and those who have ears to hear, let them hear. And so um, when we think about this topic of speech, we think about in the United States today, we, if we surveyed Americans, and there's many surveys and you can check those out, you would see that majority identify themselves as Christians. However, America is a nation that murders millions of babies and produces pornography and box office hits contain unbiblical themes and content, a nation plagued by gluttony and immorality and blasphemy. And just naming a few, we observe that if most Americans are Christians, Christians are complicit in abominable sins that God hates. And see, we can appear to be something we're not. We can often fool people to, uh, by what we say, 
and but in time will be exposed as a fraud. Like peeling an onion to reveal its core, you will discover the truth if you bring uh, if, if, in the, if you begin to ask the right questions and pay close attention to the heart behind the words. And so when you look at that first verse in uh, 43, and it says, There is no good tree which produces bad fruit, or a bad tree that produces good fruit. So can a cow produce Coca-Cola? It would be very nice. I would love to have that because I don't like drinking milk, but it can't. And so a non-believer can't produce spiritual fruit either. And many factors contribute to the existence of a fruitful tree. If one of these required conditions is not met, it will prevent the tree from bearing fruit and eventually will wither and die. A healthy tree requires good pollination. And the gospel is the power to save, which God uses to make a sinner born again, made new in Christ. And this happened when someone planted a seed in your heart by sharing the gospel. As Paul once said that, that he planted a seed and another brother came and he watered it and someone else cultivates it. It's a seed that's planted in your heart. And the gospel message comes, produces salvation. God uses that to save people. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God as it says in Romans 10.17. And so a healthy tree requires correct soil conditions to receive the seed and to grow. That's why as we do evangelism, we don't have to worry about the results. We know that God does the work and that if there's good soil out there, we just preach the gospel and God will, will cultivate that. So I think about recently, I went over to Nancy Hennison's house that um, has, has been here at Faith Fellowship, many of you know her, and in the front yard there was huge sunflowers. And I asked her, where did all these sunflowers, because they were just kind of randomly in different positions, and, I, it was, and some of them were so big that they were leaning over that, because of these sunflowers. And she just responded, and she said, I just, someone gave me some seeds, I just throw them out there, and, and they just started growing. And so you see that, uh, that she didn't have to do anything special. There was the right seed that she had and the right soil conditions. And so that produced these roots within the soil and they began to grow. And so we think about that parable that Jesus spoke um, in Matthew 13, 3 through 9. And in this parable, Jesus is talking about how the seed is cultivated in the hearts of believers and why people often reject the gospel. He says that a sower went out to sow and as he sowed some seeds fell along the path. So he's just throwing out seeds, just preaching the gospel, sharing the gospel. And then the birds came and they devoured them. And others fell on rocky ground and they could not grant they could not produce anything because they couldn't get in any uh, roots in the in the soil. It was rocks. And then the sun came and scorched them. And then they withered away, and then some fell on thorns, and the thorns choked them. And then we see that other seeds fell on good soil, and then produced grain some hundredfold, and some sixty, and some thirty. And then he says these words in that verse 9, he says, He who has ears, let him hear. So in other words, he was saying that I'm preaching the gospel, and some of you are going to be rocky ground, some of you are going to be thorny ground, and some of you are not going to re receive this, and you're going to reject what I'm saying. 
But I pray that you have ears to hear, that you are fertile soil to hear these words and that it takes root in your heart and that you will, it will produce faith to believe in Christ and to repent of your sins and, and put your complete trust in him and to be a complete transformation of your heart. You'll be born again. And see, you need a God-given spiritual ears to hear the gospel and to receive the seed which you grow, which will grow in your heart if it's fertile soil. And see, I could stand before you today and I could create this environment for you and manipulate your emotions. I can have the, the lights set up a certain way and the music set up a certain way and I can bring up your hurts from the past and I can say all these things to try to manipulate your emotions and call you to the altar. But if you're not fertile soil, that, that root will not take root. And, you, and the next day, that fabricated uh, conversion will not be non-existent. You'll return to your old ways. See, this is what's happening in, in America. We've done this so many times. We've manipulated and we've created this man-centered environment that appeals to emotions but requires no sacrifice or change and thus creating so, uh, false converts. See, I don't need to manipulate you. I don't need a fancy designer seed bag and throw out these seeds and try to appeal to your emotions and try to get you to, to do something that you don't want to do. See, all I have to do is trust in the gospel, preach the gospel, spread it through love for the lost souls. And I know that it would not return void. See, those God has prepared the soil of their heart will receive the gospel and it will grow. They will develop into a fruit-bearing Christian who has placed their faith in Jesus Christ. See, a tree may not produce fruit because of attacks from pests, insects, animals, and disease. And there are fruit trees that have potential to grow delicious fruit. But they don't because they, they have outside influences that stunt their growth. They have, the, they have the fruit of repentance, but they have little growth in their knowledge and their holiness and their action, their, their, their way of living to, to evangelize and share the gospel. And perhaps you have allowed sins to take control in your life. You're not waging war against your sins, against those temptations, and not protecting your eyes or your ears and guarding your tongue, or thus leading to habitual and unrepentant sin. You have laziness. Maybe laziness has crept in, and friendships have influenced you, and family have influenced you, and your employment and your culture and society has influenced this, the spiritual growth in your life. In other words, you're holding on to the world with one hand and you're holding on to Christ with the other but Jesus said in the book of Revelation he said I know your works you are neither cold nor hot would you be uh, either cold or hot in other words I wish you would be either one to choose a side because if you're lukewarm and neither hot or cold I will spit you out of my mouth the fruit of our sin leads to discipline from God a sense of distance and conflict of conscience but if you, and so th this is what the word of God should be doing. It should be, if, as a good father disciplines, he doesn't do it to try to, to hurt you and try to make you feel bad about yourself. He, he tries to do it to make you better. And so that's what the word of God is doing. This is what Jesus is doing. He's saying, all right, are you a good tree? Are you producing fruit? And if you're going to do that, you're going to treasure me. And so as we see this, we, we want to ask the question, which one are you? Which tree are you? However, you see, God, who is rich in mercy, when we remain immature, see, we may be new believers, 
Maybe we, we new believers, as a tree is growing up, you don't see much fruit. There's repentance, but you're not, you're not, there's not much growth there. You're not seeing a whole lot of signs. But you don't stay a baby. You don't stay on formula. You don't stay as a little tree that's not producing uh, any, any fruit. And as a longtime Christian, you have no excuse to not be producing fruit. See, God, in, in his rich and mercy, he, even when we're holding on to our sins and we're lacking desire to pray and we're not studying his word and we're not gathering in the church and we're not, you know, evangelism is not something that we are passionate about. Uh, he doesn't strike us down and cut us down like a, a, a dead tree and cast us in the fire. Like a good father, he disciplines us. He prunes us. He cuts off those things that, that, that we need to get removed so that we, something can grow and produce. And he cuts off those impurities. And just as you prune a tree, and though it may look for a moment unattractive and small, I, we had this in the community garden in the city that one of the guys, he was from another state, he came to visit and he uh, pruned that, that one tree. And this thing looked horrific. I mean, it, looked, it went like top was big and then it went real skinny and then it went out this way. It was like crazy looking. And I didn't say anything to the guy because I, I didn't even know him. It was the first time I met him. I'm like, I hope he knows what he's doing. <laughs> but, and um, now a few weeks later, we see that it's starting to now grow. It was, it was starting to die. And now we're seeing growth there. And this is what God does to us. And so it may look unattractive and small and it may hurt when God does these things. But that pruning will lead to growth and a harvest of fruit. And so the questions are, are you a good tree? Are you a born-again Christian clothed? with the righteousness of Christ? Are you still immature, behaving immaturely, and clinging to baby food rather than the profound truths of God's word? And are you producing fruit of a Christian? And so when we look at verse 44, the question there we see, what are you known for by a, a watching world and an all-seeing God? And so that's why you're here, to be salt and light, to be able to display Christ to a lost world. You're here to be able to make disciples and to gather people in through throwing out those seeds. And as the seeds take hold in that fertile soil and they come to Christ, then you make disciples and you start to proclaim the truth of the gospel and teaching them. And this comes through, through what's in your heart and comes forth from your mouth and you express this to those individuals. And see, so we see that each tree and each person is known by their fruit. It's not that faith fellowship bears a lot of fruit. It's each individual within that church that makes, that's part of the universal church of God, that they are known by their fruit. Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit. So an un unbeliever may do good uh, wor works by the world standards. And they may be kind and compassionate and be very helpful and human depravity does not mean that every human being is as bad as they can be. Not everyone is Hitler, but if God by the, if would remove his grace off of us and would expose what we are really capable of as human beings, we certainly could be. It doesn't mean that, uh, that with, it, what it means really is that Christ, without Christ, every human being uh, is incapable of choosing God and obeying him out of a pure heart. And so their works are for their glory. They, they may, they, they may seek, seem to seek God, but really what they're doing is they're seeking his 
his blessings and his prosperity and his, and his goodness and all these things, those feel-good things, but when he calls us to make sacrifices and to, to change our ways and to change we, the way we think and the way we speak and our deeds, then you see a different side of them. And so what we see here is that on the day of judgment, every person will be accountable for the fruit they bear, whether it's good or bad. And this is why the writer of Ecclesiastes, uh, after saying that life is vanity, said, concluded that we must do, what we must do is fear God and com- keep his commandments because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment Everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. That's Ecclesiastes 12, 13 through 14. And so think about this, this illustration of the Bradford pear tree. It, it was introduced in the mid-1960s. It became very popular. You may have seen them. Uh, they stand tall and they're, they have these beautiful flowers, as you can see. And by the name, you would think it's a fruit tree. However, its appearance and name are very deceptive. The Bradford pear tree produces small, smelly, inedible pears, which are not really pears, and they're about the size of marbles. And so it's not really a fruit tree. And interestingly, this tree would cross with other pear trees, and, would, and the offspring would produce thorns and thickets. And so they began to plant these things. They thought it was a great experiment to be able to start planting them all over the place. There was a lot of areas in Maryland where they were doing this. And they realized it was wreaking havoc on the environment. The physical structure, although it's beautiful, is very weak. And their roots are shallow. And the branches can't endure storms. And they literally fall apart after 20 years. And so something that appears to be something that's beautiful and, and looks like it's, man, this is perfect to have in your yard, in your community. It produces flowers. It, has, it says it's a fruit tree. And it doesn't have it. And it actually will wreak havoc. And this is what happens. Looks can be deceptive. Jesus called the Pharisees whitewashed tombs. They looked holy on the exterior, but were spiritually dead. And everyone who professes to be spiritual without a heart transformation is a Pharisee. Jesus called the Pharisee a brood of vipers. He says, how can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. That was Matthew 12, 34. The Bible mentions the heart over 1,000 times. And it represents the place where emotions and desires dwell. So man looks at the exterior, but God sees the heart. It is he who changes the heart from stone to flesh. And making us alive in Christ, forever connected to the vine, Jesus Christ. The good tree is a Christian, and we are only good because of who we are in Christ. We are the branches, and Christ is the vine. We are the good tree because Christ is the root. We are the body of Christ. Therefore, we must be Christ-like in thought, word, and deed. The state of our heart determines the fruit we, we will produce, and what's on the inside What you treasure in your heart is what really matters. And so when we look at verse 45, it says, 
The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks that which fills his heart. And so what are you treasuring in the storehouse of your heart? Beloved, if, you, if your faith is genuine, if you are born again, you will have new desires. And they, that change of heart will be manifested outwardly through words and deeds. At times you may fail and fall into sin, but you must not take it lightly. You must feel the weight of your offense against the holy God. And therefore, James tells us, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. A few verses later, he clarifies that statement by saying, you believe that God is one, you do well. But even the demons believe and shudder. So it's more than just saying you believe in Jesus. Even the demons believe. But it's the Lord, is the Lord, is he Lord of your life? Is Jesus the king of kings over your life? If he, is he sovereign over his life? What he says you do and you obey. Are you a slave to Christ? And if he is, then Jesus said, keep my commandments in John 14, 15. To keep Christ's commands is to put off your old self, and which belongs to your former way of living, and that those are corrupt with deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And to put on a new self. To be a new creature, created in the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That's Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. Notice Jesus transitions from the analogy of a good tree and bad tree and now speaks clearly. And he describes a good man versus an evil man. He says that you will know the authenticity of a man uh, and a, or a woman by what comes forth out of their mouth. I remember recently I had a conversation with Paula, my wife, and she spoke of a man in, uh, in Colombia. She's from South America, and this man is in this small town in Colombia. And everyone viewed this man as a, as a good man. Uh, he was kind. He was good. He was, he was always by himself. He didn't do, any, didn't do anything. He was known just a guy that just didn't do anything bad. He was, just seemed like the, the, the nice man. And... And she, she wondered, would this man know Christ? Did, did he hear the gospel? Is that, is that why he was that way? Because, unfortunately, there was a lot of men that are not that way. There's a lot of men that, that are, you know, that macho mentality, and they have a lot of women, they're doing all this dirt, and, and here's this different man. And she wonders about, is this man in this remote town, did he hear the gospel, and is he changed? And I didn't know what the response, how to respond to her because I, you know, I never met the man. I never, I never sat down with him. I never talked to him. I, never, you know, I could hear stories about all the good deeds he's done. And he may say all the right things, uh, but if I don't sit down with him and talk with him and listen to his heart and ask him, like, where do you put your faith in Christ? And how do you view certain things? And listen to his responses. You know, I, I could determine a lot about that if I just had some time to speak with them. We see that in North Avenue oftentimes. People go and they'll, they'll say, pray beautifully, and they'll say, and they'll be high as a kite down there. So, you know, it, it would be staggering. They're, they're high on dope, and they're, but yet they, all of a sudden they'll pray beautifully, and you're like, look, you may pray beautifully, but you're not bearing fruit. 
you're a thorn bush. And that's a, that's a hard thing because you love them so much that you're, you, you, this, it breaks your heart to see that, that they're deceived by this. But if you take time and you just observe and you see their actions, you hear what comes forth of their mouth, you would determine a lot. And so in Matthew 6, 19, Jesus said, don't lay up your treasures for yourself on earth. And then in verse 21, he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. When we treasure or hold on to and store in our hearts our former ways, our way of thinking, our former ways of speaking, our sinful activities, in time, no matter how much you fake it, the truth will be revealed about you. You may say with your mouth, I'm a Christian. You may pray beautifully. You may quote Bible verses. However, the truth eventually comes to the surface and what you treasure shines forth. If you're not waging war, if you're not consciously making an effort to change about how you think, speak, and live, your speech will expose your heart's treasure. Augustine once said, where your pleasure is, there is your treasure. And where your treasure is, there is your heart. And where your heart is, there is your happiness. Is Christ your happiness? Is he, where you, is, is he your pleasure? Is, is, is he what you treasure every single day of your life? And if he is, Christ will be upon your lips. He'll be upon your mind, your thoughts, and through your actions. Jesus has given us a heart check in this verse. His words are piercing through the outer layers and searching the thoughts and hidden areas and hidden desires of our heart. He's examining what we treasure. Do we treasure the world more than Christ? Do we cling to our sins instead of living in obedience to Christ? Is our love for earthly comforts greater than our love for Christ and eternity? Beloved, we must let go of our sin and wrap our hearts around the one who came to earth and bore the punishment you and I deserved. He who bought you with the high price of his precious blood. If you treasure Christ, if, you're treasure, if you treasure the word of God, if you desire to live biblically, if you treasure the church, if, if you... If you uh, also, love others so much and you, you reject your idols and you, you, take, you go the extra mile to proclaim the gospel because you, you see the lost souls all around you and that God has left you here with a purpose to preach the gospel to them so that they may come to Christ and, and experience the, the power of the gospel. If you, if you have that, if you, that's your treasure in your heart, it would pour out of your mouth and will be reflected in your deeds. Your heart is the root. It's, it is impossible to produce fruit contrary to the root. You can't, you can't get fruit from a thorn bush, as, as it said. You can't get good fruit from a Bradford pear tree. And so, what is the root of your heart? If, the, if this world, with its foul speech and lust of the flesh, is the root then your nature is bound to that evil. If your root is Jesus Christ, if he is where you find pleasure, joy, and satisfaction, you will have a new nature that acts accordingly. Like the root, you are Christ-like. Can you draw out a drinking water uh, from a well that's full of mud? 
You can't. The more you, you've probably seen that, there's youth group used to always love doing this, like where you had a, a, a glass that was filled with mud or dirty water or something like that. And the more if you keep pouring dirty water in it, it just, it just keeps filling dirty water. It's not going to change. If you start pouring in pure water, it starts pouring out the, the old stuff, and, and now you're starting to see clarity, and you're starting to see a change in there. That's what we do. What are you, what are you intaking inside? As it says, garbage in, garbage out. It's the same thing what we, what we do here. Walter Chantry once said that we are like a stream that cannot, <clears throat> cannot rise above its source. If the source is contaminated, the contents would be contaminated. So as, as we think about this, we think about what James said. And I just was thinking about this in the back, and I added this um, uh, just as I was back there. And if you, if you look at what James says in chapter 3, he's given us, he's given us a, a, an idea of what, what Jesus is saying to a, and, and, the, and the solution to it. Number one, that we, what we treasure is going to come forth. So what are we to do with our speech. He says, starting with verse 2, he says, For we all stumble in many ways. If any does not stumble what he, what he says, he is a perfect man. And we know that none of us are perfect. And, and if we're able to do that, we're able to bridle the whole body as well. We would be perfect completely. If we can bridle our tongue, we can bridle our whole body. Now, if we put in bits into the horse's mouth... Now, if you may recall, that's that metal piece that goes inside of the horse's mouth where you can pull that horse to one direction to the next direction. And so they will obey us, and we will direct their entire body. Look at the ships also. Though they are great and are given by uh, strong winds and are still directed by a very small rudder wherever its inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire in the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as, which, as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds and reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father. And with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be this way. Does a fountain send out the same opening, both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or, vine, or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. So he's, he's telling us about our tongue, what we store in our heart, what we treasure in our heart, comes forth from our mouth, and we speak these things. And we think about that the, the fruit of the Spirit, notice it's not fruits, it's fruits, it's, it's that this should be something that we see in the Christian life as we mature and grow, and we should be maturing and growing, 
is that we are to love, right? So we're supposed to love, and how can we love if we're, we're cursing at the same time? How can we bless people? How can we love people when we're expressing a hateful word out of our mouth? When we say words, we know what it means, we know it's coming out of sarcasm or anger or fear or all these kind of things. There was a story of a young boy, his, and he, he said a curse word in his school, and his teacher said, Jeffrey, don't you say that word anymore. And, and he, said, he said it again later on, and she said, where did you learn that word? And you, you don't even know the meaning of that word. He goes, I do know that meaning of that word. My dad said it all the time. He taught me that word. She said, what, it mean, what does it mean then? He said, it means the car won't run. See, so we, we, use, we use that in a way, we use that in a way, we know it's, we say curse words all the time, and we say things that in, it's in a negative, it's never in a positive. So Paul, James is saying, how can we curse and at the same time bless when we are meant to bless people, when we're meant to love people? How can we have joy and, and express that joy that we find in Christ if we're always complaining about things all the time? See, joy is very different than happiness. Happiness is what's happening in the moment. In this moment, I'm happy because of that moment. Joy is, regardless of what's happening, I'm not complaining, and I'm going to put my faith and trust in Christ, and I'm going to, he's my rock, he's my fortress, and I'm going to rely on him. He's sovereign, and I trust in him. It's, his sovereignty is the pillow I can rest my head upon. If we have peace, how can we have strife with one another? How can we cause all these divisions and gossiping and all these kind of things that we're seeing? Ephesians talks about this in Ephesians 5. He says, Don't, you must not have filthy, not talk filthiness or silly talk or coarse gesturing, um, and, but rather give thanks. And he compares that to those that are, are immoral and idolaters who will not inherit the kingdom of God. He, he's, he's showing those things are that bad. And yet we take it so lightly. We take it so lightly. We treat it as if it's, oh, it's just this, uh, this one word or uh, just this one complaint. But what we're actually doing is we're not complaining against that thing. We're not cursing against that person we're, or, or that moment. We're, we're cursing against an image bearer of God. We're cursing against the, the things that God has placed in our life, whether good or bad, that he's ordained, that he's allowing to be used for our good and his glory. How can we be kind when we have rude words all the time? How can we have, show goodness when our words express evil? How can we be faithful and when we're in, in, in not faithful to his word when we don't follow what he's saying and says to bridle your tongue? How can you be gentle when you're quick-tempered and you're quick to say things at, in a snap and snap at people and think the worst of people? All these things come forth from our mouths and expresses this, this, this image. Does it express the image of Christ? Does it express what Christ is in your heart? Is that what you're treasuring? If you're treasuring these things, these, these evil things, they're going to come forth from your mouth. If you're treasuring Christ, we're not perfect. As it said, we all, we, we all stumble, but we bridle our tongue. We see there, there's an action Salvation is by faith, by, through grace, by faith alone. It's not, a, it's not something that we've done. We can't boast. And yet at the same time, there's now a responsibility on our part. He says to work out your salvation with fear and tremble. He didn't say work, work for your salvation. He said work it out. Work it out. You've got to do something now. 
Now you got some responsibility. Work with the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit says, watch your mouth, watch your mouth. When he says, go do this, do this. Yeah, I think about oftentimes those people that you, stay, you, you hang out with and you, you see what happens. It, I think back in the day, if you listen to hip-hop music back in the day, and all of a sudden you start, you, you, it, these words, you may be a Christian, and you start putting, this song comes on a radio, and it's got words, and it's got this certain vibe to it, and all of a sudden you start slouching in your car, and you, and you, you know, you start, you, 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 there's this, there's this we, we let our guard down, and we start, and then sooner or later, you're starting to sing along with the song, and you, we're going to have to beep your, your mouth. And so this is what happens. We, we let our guard down and we, we let the Satan to come in and tempt us and we see what comes forth from our heart. There's these things that get exposed in our hearts. And this is something that we have to be conscious of. We see that part of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. It's self-control is to control your tongue, to control your mind. Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. This is not literal. Don't go out and do that. He's saying that if there's things in your life that's causing you to fall and to sin, then cut it out of your life. Cut it out. Because it's better to, to go without certain entertainment and certain things in your life if it's causing you to sin than to go to hell and with enjoying all these things, grace is not a license to sin. And so we see that we, we, we want to, that the, the vine is Jesus Christ. See, we were this branch that was cut off from Christ. And we've been grafted in to the branch, Jesus Christ. We think about that knowing that we deserve eternal damnation and that we are saved by grace that we woke up this morning, we're breathing in his mercy. And that every possession we have, and every love on we have, and every job we, we have, and every dollar we have in the bank, and every enjoyment is a precious gift from God. And instead of him destroying us for our years of rebellion, he bestowed grace upon us. He blessed us. And so how can we, how can we display uh, this, this image that taints Christ to a lost world. If we're the body of Christ and he's the head, how can the body defile Christ by our way of living and talking? I think about Theron, for example. Sorry to put you out there. You talk to Theron, there's not a moment, even when we helped us move yesterday, and that the first thing, you know we got to pray. Why is that? Because he treasures prayer in his heart. And it comes forth from his mouth. When you hear a testimony, there's people that tell their testimonies. And it almost sounds like they're bragging about their past. Like, back in the day, I used to do this. I used to do all this dirt and all this kind of stuff. And it's almost like they're bragging, holding on to that past. They, they kind of treasure that. But there's another story when people tell their testimony. And they're talking about, I know that if I don't share the goodness of God every single moment that I have an opportunity, I know I'm, any moment I'm hanging on the cliff and I can fall right back to where I used to be. And, it, and so out of the treasure of his heart, out of that treasure that I don't want to go back to my past, I don't want to repeat those things. I want to love Christ fully and, and with all my heart and with all my strength that you share it and it comes out of his mouth. We see that in Theron. I, we, we talked about Alan who passed away recently. He would, you, he would hold a door for, for you and you would say, thanks, you're such a good guy. I'm just a wretched sinner. And you would talk about Christ. It 
came from his mouth. That's the beauty of what you find treasuring in your heart. That we don't, yeah, we have our times where we talk about sports, we talk about those, all those things that we enjoy. But do we talk about Christ? Do we cherish Christ? Do we think about Christ? When we think about what the Word of God says, it says, don't, don't allow irreverent babble come out of your mouth. In 2 Timothy 2.16, it says, to avoid this, for it leads people to, into more and more ungodliness. What you say can lead people to further ungodliness. Be a light in a dark world. In 1 Peter 3.10, it says, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit, it says. In James 1.26, it says, bridle your tongue. Everyone who thinks he's religious does not bridle his tongue, but but deceives his heart. This person's religion is worthless. In Proverbs 13.3, it says, guard your mouth. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life and he who opens wide his lips comes to, to ruin. Speak righteously. Speak like Christ. In Proverbs uh, 10.32, it says, The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked what is perverse. Hebrews 4.12 says, that The word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and spirit and joints of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Meditate on his word. Hebrews 13, 15 says, there, Through men then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that gives thanks to his name. So instead of, instead of cursing, instead of negativity and complaining and all these things. We, we confess our sins. We speak praise. We give thanks. We, we talk about Christ and his goodness. We share our struggles with one another so that we can carry each other's burdens. Let what we treasure be Christ in his word and living according to his word so that we may bring him glory through our thir- thoughts, words, and deeds. So that a lost world may see Christ in us and through our lives the power of the gospel that they too may come to treasure Christ now and forever. So we think about David who was a man after God's own heart and yet committed great sins that affected his rest of his life. And here's his words that he speaks in Psalm 19. This is a man that knows who God is. And he knows his, his vulnerability as a man that if he doesn't treasure Christ, if he doesn't treasure the thing that God's word, if he doesn't treasure prayer, if he doesn't treasure his church, if he doesn't bridle his tongue, if he doesn't do these things and practice self-control, that he is able to fall at any moment. This is a man that... The Word of God says, a man after God's own heart. And yet he realized this. And you'll see in verses 7 to, um, to let's see, from not, 7 to 9, uh, really up to 11, it, he's talking about the Word is perfect. So he's talking about my way that I can treasure Christ and the way that I can bridle my tongue is to 
treasure this, the word of God, because it's perfect. And then 12 to the ending is a prayer. He treasures prayer. He, he depends on prayer. A friend of mine who's a pastor, he said, if you wake up in the morning and you, and you feel like you don't, that you don't need to pray, you're not otherwise you're saying, God, I don't need you today. I got this. See, he knew that I need God. I need Christ to hold, hold me and sustain me. He's my rock so that I may be Christ-like. And so let's read that. It says this, The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and His expanse is declaring the work of His hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the world, and their utterances to the ends of the, wor of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun, which is a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run its, his course. His rising is from one end of the heavens and its circuit to the other end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. And here it is. This is what I depend on. This is the key to how you can treasure Christ and to bridle your tongue. The law of the Lord is perfect. The word of God, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold. Yes, they are much finer than gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is a great reward. Who can discern those errors? Acquit me of hidden faults. Also keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. And then I will be blameless, and I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Now here's the key. Verse 14. Let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. The key to Christ-like speech is right there. We see it. Number one, cherish the word of God. Let the word of God be something you meditate upon. That's not some yoga thing. That is that you study the Word of God, you think upon it throughout the day, you memorize the Word of God, allow that to, to penetrate your heart. If you're filling your life with the Word of God, those impurities eventually start coming out. Number two, pray that God will keep you from presumptuous sins. That when you pray, that you say, God, help me. Help me to not fall back into those old ways. Help me to guard my tongue. Help me to, to present Christ in everything that I do and say. As it says in Corinthians, it said, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. And number three, glorify God in thought, word, and deed. Let your thoughts magnify God. Let your words magnify God and glorify God and let your deeds display Christ to a lost world. This is something that's so important for us to do, that we may show Christ 
to a lost world. This is what you're called to do. And there may be people here that may not know Christ. And so this is the good news. That there are many people in this church that have treasured Christ and that are willing to talk to you about Christ if you have questions. See, Christ came and he bore the wrath of God that you and I deserved. God treated him as if he lived my wretched life so that, and he treats me as if, as if I lived his righteous life. So that I, who was once an enemy of God, can now be called a child of God. And if you don't have that security, that today is the day of repentance. Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is not promised. And so let the things that, that you may treasure and hold on to, let go of them and cling to Christ. And so let us pray. Father God, I thank you for this beautiful day and I thank you for your word. Help us, Lord God, to meditate upon it and to, to obey it. Not just let it come to our ears. Let it be something that penetrates our heart and, and, and pours forth from us. That people will see us and know that's a Christian. That's somebody that treasures Christ by the way they speak and the way they live. Help us, Lord God, to magnify your name in everything we do and say, for we know that life is but a vapor and Christ is returning soon and let us be ready and let us be about the business of the Father to go forth and make disciples. Go with everyone today and bless them and guide them and direct them and throughout this whole week and let us glorify you through thought, word, and deed. In Jesus' name, amen.